Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Morning, good morning. Well, before we get going, we are going to be starting a new series today, but uh, I thought it would be important. Biblically, it talks about that we uphold those who lead us. And um, as you know, we have a president that is a professing believer of Jesus Christ and um, invokes upon the name of the Lord, and he's asked us to pray for him. And if we want a country to continue to uh, be a country in God we trust, um, I thought it would be important this morning that we would just take a few moments and as a body, pray for those who lead us. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for... Um, for placing leadership in our lives. And Lord, we just ask that that we would continue to uphold our president, President Donald Trump, Lord, who is, regardless of how we feel about him, Father, you say that you design and you institute and you place all leadership. And so, Father, we are um, praying for him as he continues to lead our country. Father, he professes your name, and we're grateful for that. So, Lord, we just pray for all of our leaders, our governor um, of this state as well, Lord, and those who lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're starting this new series called The Faces of Grace, and, and I just wanted to take a moment to help you understand how I process um, bringing you series. First of all, I take my my role as a pastor very seriously. Um, over the years, I've come to understand what this role entails a little bit more. But as a pastor, um, my job is to really present you before the Lord and in such a way that you are prepared to meet Him, but also equipped to do the work of Him here on earth. And He uses pastors and He uses um, church leaders to help care for a body, but bring him closer to him, and then also instruct you in the word and helping you understand what the word of God is. So I go through a process of praying, saying, God, what what do you have for us next? God speaks to me through his word. He also speaks to me through dreams, through visions, and through a prophetic voice. And so, um, because of that, I I feel like when I present something to you, yes, it is, I am am taking a concept that I believe that God has spoken, and I'm trying to articulate it in a way that you can hear God's voice being spoken. So as much as this is Mark speaking to you up here, I want you to understand that hopefully you hear God's voice speaking to you and not just Mark speaking to you. So I want to put that context to that, because... Uh, there's a weightiness of what we're going to be going through that I, I want you to be attentive to. The series is called The Faces of Grace. Today we're going to be talking about um, grace as it means that we should be living distinct or different than the world, that we have the grace to be distinct. And I want to encourage you that if I say something good, I've got one person over here that loves to say, preach it, all right, but I want to give you permission that you can, this can be engaging. All right, there we go. We got something over here. Anybody over here want to give, we got a little over here, we got anything else in this section? Yeah, there we go. And this one's already taken care of. Thank you over here. 
So, so why this, this message today is so important is because how we view grace will determine if we live in greater freedom or greater bondage. I love what Carla shared today about this idea that God spoke to her already about talking about freedom, freedom from bondage. And is it exactly, we didn't talk, and it's exactly what this message is about. If we misunderstand grace, if we misunderstand the purpose of grace, we're going to find ourselves entrapped in greater bondages as opposed to the freedom that grace is meant to give us. Now, I'm going to give you a couple examples But before I do, I was passing by this message idea with a 15-year-old girl this week. She had popped by in the office, and and she was meeting with Jess, and I said, let let me pass something by here. What what are you thinking about this? And this is what she said. We're talking about saved by grace, which we're going to go to in a moment. She says this, God saved you because he wanted you to be more like him, not more like your friends. From a 15-year-old girl. Man, I love it. God saved you because he wanted you to be more like him, not like your friends. And anybody who's in school today know the pressure of what you feel like to say, I want to be liked, I want to be in the in crowd. And yet, we're called to live differently. To be distinct. Do you realize that we are made in God's image, which means we are to reflect the character and nature of God? That's one of your main purposes here on earth, is to reflect him and his goodness to a world that needs him. And so we come to verses like this that you're going to see on your screen that says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. If you actually take your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll go quickly over it, write this verse down in case we flip by it too quickly. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not by your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, that that no one may boast. Okay, so we're saved by grace, and we've heard this, not by our works. The challenge is, is we take this verse, and then we pair it with another verse, and if we misunderstand what it means to be saved by grace, it actually puts us in greater bondage. By the way, we have an enemy. We have an enemy that will continue to twist God's words and create confusion so we misunderstand what God's trying to tell us. Garden of Eden, prime example. The serpent tries to tell Eve, well, did God really say don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And he twists the words and, and Eve then succumbs to the very thing that becomes the curse for them. So we have to understand rightly what the word of God is saying. So the next verse that we sometimes match up with a saved by grace, not by your own works, is in 2 Corinthians 12.9. It says this, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect or complete in our weakness. Okay, so here's, here's how we can confuse both of those verses. Okay, we're saved by grace, not by our works. So I can't earn my way to salvation, or I can't be good enough to merit me losing my salvation or gaining my salvation. 
So I can just be. I don't have to really worry about how I live my life if it's not by my works. That, that's false, by the way. <laughs> I just want to be clear. That's false. But there's that misunderstanding. And then there's, in other words, by my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah, I understand I'm weak. I can't control myself. I have these, you know, these desires and I have these, you know, comfort things that I go to. And yet I, I know I'm weak. And therefore, if I'm weak, then I don't need to do anything. I don't even need to try. And so then we start living just like the rest of the world, and then we lose our distinctness because we don't look anything different than the rest of the world, because we've misunderstood what saved by grace is all about. And we misunderstand this idea of what, why are we to be weak? So we're going to unpack this a little bit today to understand the first face of grace is understanding that we are called to be distinct, and if we don't understand how to live in grace, we can't be distinct. Okay, there we go. All right, we're getting going. Come on, come on. Who's going to stand and give me a little jig here this morning? Come on, preach it, preach it. Nobody's Nobody's jigging. There we go. Woo! All right. This is good. We're just getting warmed up. See, if you live like the world, people will see the world. But if you live like Jesus, people will see Jesus. Now that preaches. That preaches. If you live like the world, people will see the world. But if you live like Jesus, people will see Jesus. Remember, our purpose on earth is to represent our King Jesus to the rest of the world who's lost without him. And if we look just like the world and we're not distinct, people aren't going to see Jesus. They're going to see the world. And so we need to understand saved by grace. Okay. So we, first of all, let's talk about that verse. We're saved by grace, not by our own works. That is important that you know that because otherwise what Christ did on the cross for us didn't mean anything. He accomplished fully. We just took communion, remembering what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He accomplished something on that cross for us that we cannot do on our own. We cannot be good enough. We cannot save ourselves. We need only by the faith of our faith in Jesus Christ that it saves us. That's his grace. He found us while we were yet sinners. And by the way, we're imperfect people. And what I'm talking about is not trying to put on the facade of goodness, because there's two extremes. There's one extreme is saying, well, I'm human anyways, I'm going to mess up anyway, so therefore I'm just going to give in to the ways of the world. Or I'm going to try to pretend that I'm good enough, and then that becomes religiosity and that becomes legalism and that becomes the facade which then you're actually taking grace for granted as well but where are we in the middle of that of understanding it means yes we cannot earn it we can't work for it It is a gift it's a gift grace is a gift thank you 
But then let's go to the other thing about our weakness. Because what we're going to talk about at the end is understanding that why we can't overcome some of these things in our lives that have been haunting us or keeping us in bondage is because we are still trying to fight it in our own strength and we were never meant to fight these things at our own strength. See, this weakness that he's talking about is he's talking about our strength versus his strength. And when Christ comes and dwells inside of us, we are the temple. We are his temple. The Holy Spirit indwells in us as we accept Christ into our life. And then as we do, as we allow him to work in our life and his grace is sufficient for us, then he gives us grace, divine enabling grace that we can overcome the things of the world and live distinct. So our our weakness is good for this reason. Because it's him who accomplishes the work through us, not in our own strength. So when we come to this place of saying, God, I'm struggling in this area in my life, we have to say, it's not, hey, barrel down. You got to muster up enough strength, enough courage to, you're going to do it, be disciplined enough. He's saying, no, 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 no. Bring it back a little bit. I just need you to spend more time with me and realize that I'm going to do the work of setting you free. You can't free yourself. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, his power is made perfect in weakness. The Apostle Paul says, well, I will boast even more in my weakness. Why did he say that? Because he understands in his weakness, he allows the power of Christ to be more evident in us. So if we are to be image bearers of Jesus Christ in this world... And I would ask this question of you. Does your workplace know there's something different about you? Do your classmates know there's something different about you? Are you distinct or are you kind of camouflaged? You blend right in. And you hoping you're blending in. I hope they don't know. No, I hope they do know because they need to know Jesus. They need a savior. They cannot do this on their own. And their life, I guarantee you, is a mess apart from Christ. We're not going to read it today, but if you would jot down, you're going to do this in your life group anyways, you're going to read Romans chapter 8. You're going to read the whole chapter in your life group. And if you're not in a group, you'll have a chance to get in a group in uh, our next spring session But write down Romans chapter 8. It's going to talk about everything that we've just said, and we're going to sum it up. The Apostle Paul does a great job summing this up in the book of Romans chapter 8. But I want us to understand something very clearly about our weakness and then the divine enablement. See, if we continue to live like the world we know, then the world will see the world. If we live like Jesus, the world will see Jesus. But this divine enablement, which grace is the face of grace we're talking about today, to be distinct is we need his divine enablement that we can overcome. See, we are a vessel that the Holy Spirit dwells in, and all we have to do is surrender and submit and become weak in ourselves, not weak in giving in, but weak in our desire and our our 
pursuit to overcome ourselves, that we allow his strength to overcome those things in our lives that have been dogging us for so long. So one of the things that uh, I want to share with you, um, a, a dream I had. And as I said, God speaks to me um, through dreams sometimes. But in this dream, um, somebody came up to me and, and, and said, they got close and they, they smelt my breath and they said, uh, you have alcohol in your breath. And I got really embarrassed by it. And I and, uh, said, so, yeah, I mean, what's the big deal? And, he, and it goes... In this dream, it was this idea of, yeah, but do you know how many people are struggling with alcohol? And I felt this great conviction in my dream. And I woke up and, and I, I said, God, is, what are you saying in this? Because first of all, I usually don't have these types of dreams. And God is saying, you know, even though we have certain liberties as Christians, because again, we're not, our works do not save us. Even though we have these liberties, and and by the way, the Bible tells us that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So this is not about legalism. This is not about, hey, how do you, by the way, when the Bible says, be holy for I'm holy, oh, this is good. You know, what, what you need to understand about being holiness is not this legalism of like perfection. Holiness is distinct. The word holiness is set apart, which means to not separate from the world. It's to look different than the world. I love the talking. This is good. This is, thank you for the encouragement. You're encouraging the Lord. He's allowing his word to go forth here. So listen, as we are starting to live holy, distinct, he's going to kind of tap ourselves on the shoulder and saying, even though that's permissible, it's really not beneficial. We know alcohol, and by the way, just in case you're wondering, I'm preaching to us. I have a vineyard, so you know what that means. So I'm preaching to me too. So I'm saying, though, that, that God, if you're saying, if there's a season right now that you're saying, you know what, maybe, just maybe, because of the pervasiveness of alcohol in our culture, that it's actually putting people in bondage, not giving them freedom. And so maybe we just need to take a pause and take a time in the season where we're saying, hey, let's put that in proper perspective. Let's put it in its proper place. We know that drunkenness is sin, alcohol, there's nothing wrong with it. But alcohol, when it starts to control you, there is, it puts you in bondage. Now, there's a lot of topics that we could talk about putting people in bondage, but for some reason, the Lord gave me a dream about alcohol. And so I feel like there's a season of grace for us to walk in greater freedom on this topic. Now, we're not a very... um, we're not a very traditional church in the way that we would follow some of the Christian traditions of, let's say, the Catholic church or other more liturgical churches. But this is a season of Lent, and I felt like it would be so appropriate for this season, if God is giving us the grace for it, that we as a church would uphold each other by saying for the season of Lent that, well, you know what? We don't need alcohol in our life. And then for a season, for this month of, of, of March, 
we're just going to say, you know what? Let's just cut it out of our lives. Now, here's the other part of this. For some of you casual drinkers, some of you are non-drinkers, and don't, don't bother starting. <laughs> it's good that you don't drink. <laughs> some of you are casual drinkers. Doesn't even, doesn't, you know, it's fine. You occasionally have a drink every now and then. But I would say for even you casual drinkers, would you choose that time that you said, hey, I'm going out to a nice dinner. Would you just not get something? But in that moment, pray for that person who might be struggling. Because I'll tell you what, alcohol can have such a grip on people that they're going to need your prayers to break through, break through and break free. And guess what? They are going to be weak because they understand that in their weakness, the Holy Spirit can move and his power in them can set them free. But we need a body of believers to encourage each other and to build each other up. So there might be other topics that you're saying that, you know what, I have these bondages. But if God's bringing that conviction in your heart, you need to respond to him. But I feel like for a season as a body, that, that this entire body would consider and would join me and others who would say yes to this, to say, you know what, for the month of March, we're just going to cut it out of our lives. And in that process, though, what we're going to do is we're going to contend for those where alcohol has gotten a grip in their life. And we're going to see that they get free and brought to freedom. All right, that's a big clap. We'll do that. So as the worship team comes back up, I, I want us to understand that this has nothing to do with legalism. Legalism brings death. Doesn't bring freedom. You see, as image bearers of Christ, what, what, what did Christ always do? He, he went after places of injustice. He found the people that were the outcasts and he raised them up. He looked for the people who were struggling and, and, or needed healing and he healed them. He always elevated people. He always found the outcast and made them the incast. He found, he was about injustice, he was about oppression, he was about not, he wasn't the oppressor, he was about setting the captives free. And so for us, if we're going to be models of Jesus Christ, if we are going to be representatives to the world, we ourselves must be people who are living free. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, and I'm mindful, you might be watching online or you might be here and you're saying, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus. And today we're going to change that. We're going to allow you to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But I first want us to remember that the first face of grace is the grace to be distinct. That God has graced your life to live differently than the rest of the world. But for you to live differently, to not let it be legalistic, you have to understand the why of living differently. The why is so that your life 
can be representative of who Jesus is. Because remember, we said, if you live like the world, you're going to look like the world. If you live like Jesus, you're going to look like Jesus. So are you living like Jesus? Well, you say, well, how do I live more like Jesus? I mean, Jesus was Jesus. I mean, he's perfect. And we're not talking about perfection. We're, there's the word. I heard it out there. It's humility. Consistency. Every day, would you come before the Lord and say, I'm weak today, God. Fill me with your spirit. There's two words. Hey, we're preaching to each other here this morning. I got, I got consistent humility. We're, this is the body of Christ coming together to say, guys, we got to do this together. The faces of grace. Our face needs to be the face of Jesus. Which means we've got to look a little different than this world. I know for some of you that March is going to feel like hell for you because your body's going to have to come off of the toxins of alcohol. But we're there for you. We're going to do this together. Actually, I want to know who I'm going to be speaking to. And in all, I want this to be a private moment. I I just want to know, because God has initiated this. This is not me. God has initiated this. I want to know who I'm speaking to. Now, I want everybody's eyes closed. Sound guys, everybody, worship team, your eyes closed. I'm going to be the only one who has their eyes open just because I get to make the rules to this morning. (laughs) But I want to give a level of privacy to people. Because I know this is going to be their journey. And I'm going to contend in prayer like all of you else are. But if you're saying, and even if you're just a casual drinker, if you're saying, you know what? This month might be a little challenging for me to cut alcohol completely out of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? All eyes are closed. All eyes are closed. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Nobody's looking. Don't be shy. This room is filled. You can put your hand down. This room is filled with hands that are raised. Oh, Jesus, you brought us to this place. You brought us to this place because you want to set us free. God, we have to live with greater levels of freedom if the world is going to see you. If they're going to understand the power that you want in our lives. And God, we are weak. We acknowledge our weakness, but God, let us not use that as a get out of jail free, but let our weakness come crying to you, God, to say, God, I'm weak, so your strength works through my life, God. I need more of you. I need more of you. I need more of you. Yeah, we know we're not saved by our works. God, your grace is sufficient for that. We're saved by faith alone. But God, 
You want us to come to you in our weakness. That you would be made strong. That your power would be made perfect. God, let us never use this as an opportunity for legalism. God, I pray that there would be not any religious or legalistic thing about this, Lord Jesus. That it would all be about that we would better reflect who you are, Jesus. That we would be on mission for you, Jesus. That people, when they see our lives, they say, what's different about them? How do I become like them? How do I get what they have? I'm also mindful in a group like this, there might be some here who says, you know what, I have not even started this journey with Jesus yet. And if that's you and you'd like to start your journey with Jesus, would you raise your hand, just slip up your hand. Start, you wanna, you wanna come to Jesus. You wanna start your journey with him, thank you. Anybody else, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Start your journey with Jesus. Raise your hand, if that's you, thank you. Let's just pray this prayer. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you as my Lord and Savior. I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life, very independent, very for myself. And Jesus, this morning I'm choosing to live for you and not for myself. I understand, Lord Jesus, that I, I, I come to you in a place of humility and I repent for my my sinful ways and understand those ways have only brought hurt to me and others I receive your forgiveness Lord Jesus because Lord I hear your voice that says you're forgiven but today Jesus we follow you we follow you We submit to you. We humble ourselves before you. Amen. I I think those words that were spoken from the congregation were for us. Those were prophetic words. That we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. But we need to be consistently following him. Not just a Sunday morning, oh, that was good, and live your life the way it is, but consistently press into him every day. Be in the word of God. God will speak to you in his word. Be in the word of God. Start journaling. We have journals at the Info Hub. Start journaling through God's word. If you don't know how to journal, there's a journaling group that meets around town. Plug into one of those. But I would say this, as it relates to alcohol, especially you casual drinkers. The power is going to be for you guys that every single time that you would normally pick up a drink, that you're going to pray earnestly for those who are struggling at that moment. You're going to pray earnestly. You're going to pray earnestly because the victory that God needs to take place is going to take a body to contend for each other. For those of you who have never touched alcohol, God bless you. (laughs) But you know a different level of freedom if it's not the legalistic side, if you've never touched it. But if it's out of legalism, 
that could be bad too. But if, if you just kind of like made choices, would you also contend and pray for those? Contend and pray. We're going to do this for the month of March. It'll be like a fast. We're fasting. And then on Easter, some of you will never touch alcohol again for your life. And you need to do that. And you will need to do that because you know what the bondage is placed in your life. Freedom. It's all about freedom, church. Well, let's close today and we're going to sing another song. And if you need prayer, um, can the prayer team today just be up here? Actually, if I can have our elders and prayer team, if you could just stand here and if you would like prayer, um, would you guys just kind of come up and make your prayer requests known? whether it be healing or whether it's freedom, whether it's, you know, struggling something in your life. There's power in prayer. And God wants to meet you uh, where you're at and meet your need. Love you guys. We're going to do this together. The Faces of Grace will be a great series. It will conclude on Easter. Let's pursue him. God's growing us and he's setting us free. Let's press into greater places with him. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 